Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the word. Hallelujah. We, we, I just keep thinking I'm through with so or so is the word, but I'm not. I mean, the Holy Ghost keeps saying you're not through with that. So we're going to continue tonight with the so or so is the word. And uh, if you'll turn over to Mark chapter 4. Oh, yeah, youth have got to go. Praise God. Y'all go and have a blessing. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. Praise God. Now, pastor's been preaching this. You know, I don't know why the Holy Ghost had us preach this together, but one thing about it, when you're both preaching the same thing, y'all ought to be getting it. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're just putting it in you every which way it can go in. But uh, I, I'm really, he's approaching it more from the financial side. I'm approaching it more from the Word side of you sowing the Word. In Mark chapter 4, verse 14, both of those are correct. We know that sowing the word or sowing finances, both of those are scriptural. Mark 4, 14 says, the sower soweth the word. And so we've been talking about planting the word of God with our mouth, taking our mouth and planting the word of God. And we've studied over these past weeks, and I think you'll see some scriptures tonight that'll make that even more clear, that uh, nobody can do that for you. Nobody can sow the word of God in your heart but you. I, I, you come to church tonight, and I'm sowing the word of God in you, but you're, you've got to take that word, and you're the one that's got to plant it in your heart. You're the one that's got to take what, what, what you receive tonight, and then you speak it out of your mouth and plant it in your heart. In other words, if you come here tonight and you just listen, and you don't ever do anything with that, then you aren't, you're not going to have the Word of God sown in your heart, and you're not going to have a harvest. Because you have to sow it with your mouth. The sower soweth the Word, and you must sow it with your mouth. And... Um, you, then you must water the Word of God that's in your heart with your mouth, and you do that by speaking the same word that you sowed with. And then you must harvest the Word of God with your mouth. I can't harvest for you. I can't, I, I, I can't sow the Word of God into your heart for you. You must sow it. I, I could stand up in front of you all day, every day, and say, by His stripes you are healed. But until you say, by His stripes I am healed, you know, you're not going to manifest what you need to manifest. And a lot of people, a lot of people, they come and they sit and they listen and they even agree. They have what we call mental assent. They assent mentally. Yes, this is true. This is good. The Word of God is true. But they don't ever do anything about it with their mouth. They get up. They go to work the next morning. They go through their day. They go to bed that night. They may even open their Bible and read the Bible that day. You know, but they don't ever plant the Word with their mouth. And you've got to plant the Word with your mouth. You've got to say what you want. You've got to declare it. You've got to reach out and take it. You, it's already there for you. It's already provided. The Word is is pure seed we've been discovering it is pure the Bible says it is incorruptible seed it's it's pure there is absolutely perfect seed and it will absolutely produce a harvest every time that it is planted the seed knows what to do the soil knows, of your heart knows what to do and uh, and you will have a harvest praise God we talked, Pastor talked this morning about uh, uh, driving the fowl or the buzzards you know you could say off of your seed driving Satan off of your seed he wants to steal the seed out of your heart. Amen? Well, turn over to Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. We'll kind of go a little bit different direction tonight and approach it from a different slant. Matthew 17, 20 says, and kind of start in the middle of one of Jesus' thoughts here, or his discourses, but y'all will get the point. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Okay, then he goes on to say, For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain. See, what do you have to do with the mustard seed? You have to say. Because that's how you plant the grain of mustard seed, is you say. And he said, If you will say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. He's teaching us a principle here that if you, that if you sow the seed, nothing will be impossible to you. If you will sow the seed of the Word of God, nothing will be impossible to you. If you will sow the seed of the Word of God, nothing shall be impossible to you. That's the only way that nothing shall be impossible to you. But if you sow the seed of the Word of God, nothing shall be impossible to you. So the seed of the Word of God will turn any situation around. Yeah. 
Now, it doesn't always turn it around overnight. We know that, the, the, that anything you plant in the ground doesn't always... You can't plant a watermelon seed in the ground and go out the next day and say, well, where's my watermelons? How many of you know there won't be any there? Don't care how good the soil is. Don't care how wonderful the seed is. Don't care... What, I mean, they can, they can do all they want to to that seed. You know, they do all sorts of things to make the seeds better. You know, nowadays they do. You know, they can treat it with all sorts of things. They can make all sorts of hybrids. And they can sometimes make seed produce faster. And there's things you can do to make your seed produce faster too. But there's no matter what you do, you put a watermelon seed in the ground tonight, you will not have watermelons tomorrow. And so it's not, you don't turn every situation around in one day, do you? Do you? No. But nothing will be impossible to you if you believe and if you sow your seed. You, if you will believe in that word and you will plant it. But if you can believe it all day and you don't plant it, you still won't have a harvest. And you plant it all day, and if you don't believe it. See, you've got to believe it and plant it. You've got to believe it and plant it. Now, sometimes we plant it until we, well, all, all the time we do. It, we plant it in order to believe it also. See, there's a, there's a confession unto faith, and there's a confession of faith. And they're both done the same way. And so sometimes we kind of get them mixed up. But, you know, I'm a, say I'm a new Christian. Man, I've never heard this stuff before. I come to this church, I never heard of such. Well, I, I don't really know whether to believe it or not. I, they didn't teach this at my old church. They didn't, I didn't ever hear grandma say this. Mama didn't teach this. I don't know whether to believe this stuff or not. Well, if you start speaking it for long, you'll start believing it. You know what? That's true. You speak anything to somebody long enough and eventually they'll believe it. You tell a kid he's ugly all his life and what will he believe? You tell a little girl she's beautiful all her life, and I can tell you, she can be ugly as a mud fence, and she'll think she's beautiful. Because Daddy and Mama told her she is beautiful all her life. She won't know. She'll have a good self-image. You tell a kid he's smart, he'll think he's smart. You tell a kid he's stupid, you tell him long enough. Now, you know, it won't just happen one time. But you tell a kid over and over he's stupid, he'll start believing it. Isn't that right? And so will you tell yourself you're healed long enough or you tell yourself you're wealthy long enough, pretty soon you're going to start believing you are. Okay. Amen? And it'll change the way you... First thing you know, you'll start acting different. And so you're not... You, you, at first when you confess it, maybe you don't totally believe it, but you're confessing unto faith. You're confessing in order to get to faith. I'm confessing this in order to plant faith in my heart because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so I'm planting it in my heart. And so I say it over and over and over again. And I don't root it up by saying, I don't know why I'm saying this. You know, I really don't believe it. No, I, I, I'm endeavoring to believe it. Because see, I really, in my head, I know it's true, but in my heart, I'm having to, I'm having to plant in order to get that harvest. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I'm confessing unto faith. But one day, one day, if I confess unto faith long enough, one day when a situation arises, all of a sudden the word will come out of my heart in abundance because that's what I've been putting in. And I'll say it without thinking. I'll just, all of a sudden, it'll just pop out. And, and, and then that's when I've really believed. That's when I know I, 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 I'm in faith. But the way you get in faith is to say it. And so we're sowing the word in our heart. Now, Matthew chapter 13, let's go there. Now, even if you know this stuff, I'm telling you, you're going to learn some stuff about, about it. Matthew 13, verse 25. And this is really the same parable that's Mark chapter 4, but Matthew says it a little different. In Matthew chapter, well, let's start in verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Pastor talked about that this morning, that when the soil's good and the water's good and the sun shines good, that guess what else grows besides good seed? 
That's the tares. Tares means weeds, okay? Verse 26, But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto him, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now there's multiple application to this parable. You know, we could talk about it from the standpoint of who's going to go to heaven and who's not going to go to heaven, but there's another application of the word being sown. And uh, uh, the fact is, the enemy tries to sow bad seed in your field. The enemy tries to sow bad seed in your field. Well, now let me tell you something. The enemy cannot sow bad seed into your heart. Only you can sow bad seed into your heart by what you say. And let me show you that. Look in verse uh, 38 of chapter 13. It, well, actually in verse 37... That, well, they've asked him, explain this parable to us. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The field is the world. The field. Now, that's very important to know that the field is the world. See, um, the field here represents your mind. Because the mind, your mind, is what you contact this world with. You do not contact this world with your spirit. You contact God with your spirit. You contact, though, this world with your mind. And so here, the field represents your mind. And it says the enemy is going to try to sow bad seed into your field, into your mind. And what he's wanting you to do... And so sometimes, have you ever had a thought that was negative? Ever had a thought of fear just cross your mind, even sometimes unexpectedly, not know where that's come from? Ever had a thought of, uh, of a disease cross your mind? Well, my word, you're getting cancer. Can't you tell? You know? Uh, and that pain in your toe, that's exactly what it is. See, that thought, it, this enemy plants a thought in your field, in your mind. And what he's wanting you to do is take that field... That, excuse me, that thought out of the field of your mind and he's wanting you to plant it in your heart because he can't plant it in your heart. He wants you to speak it. He wants you to plant it in your heart because he knows if you'll take a bad seed, it'll grow, but if you take good seed, it'll grow. If you plant the word of God in your heart, it'll grow. If you plant negative words in your heart, they are going to grow. And then, you're, see, see, it works that way too in the negative realm. See, see, we plant good seed in our heart. We're confessing the word, we're confessing the word. And then all of a sudden, something comes up and maybe somebody says something to us and out of our mouth jumps the word of God. Before, without we even thought. It was just out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth spoke. And it's the very same way with negative things. We plant negative things in our heart, negative things in our heart. We, we're always listening to negative. We listen to old country music, you know. That country music, that's so negative. You know, you lost your dog, you lost your wife, you lost, you know. It's, you know, it's so pitiful. And so you live D-I-V-O-R-C-E. I used to listen to that. Tammy Wynette. Anybody ever listen to that? Anybody want to make me feel better? Okay. Okay. <laughs> You know, just planting D-I-V-O-R-C-E in your heart. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And all sorts of stuff about, um, well, we won't even go into that. But, you know, what, however, however it gets planted, however you're however, planting it, getting it in there, you know, and then speaking it, you know, talking about it, watching soap operas. Oh, I tell you what, you can get some stuff planted in that field with soap operas. All sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, in some of those soap operas, I, 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 didn't, I don't watch them anymore. I used to, but don't watch them anymore. Uh, uh, I'm glad y'all are glad of that since I'm the pastor's wife. <laughs> y'all wouldn't feel funny if I said, I, I still watch them, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, I, I used to watch that stuff, and it, it's just, it's so full of negative. It's so full of those things. Okay, so you just planting it, planting it, planting it, and then you, you're planting it, you, Satan's planting it in your mind, and then you start to speak the same things. You start talking about it. You know, you talk, well, you ask them, well, you know what happened on days of our lives today? And you start talking it, and you're speaking it, and you're getting it planted in your heart. And uh, then, all of a sudden, out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. 
you and your wife have a fight, or you and your husband have a fight, you and your husband have a fight, well, why don't you just leave? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth just spoke. It is true. I mean, and that's just how, it, I mean, it works in the negative, it works in the positive. We put the positive in, eventually our heart will speak positive things. We put the negative in, eventually our heart will speak negative things. And sometimes when we're first getting started, we're having this mixture come out. You know, sometimes good stuff's coming out, but sometimes bad stuff's coming out. Because we hadn't got it all cleaned out in there. You know what I mean? When you're first getting started, you know. I mean, sometimes, have you ever, now I'll just be honest. Hey, many of you, you know, you walk with the Lord for, what, 18 years now, been walking the Spirit-filled thing, and we put away all that stuff, and we put away all those words we used to say. I was raised with some pretty yucky words. I was raised with some pretty yucky words that, that my parents didn't even consider to be bad. Um, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and so you think you have all that stuff cleaned out? And you've walked along 18 years, and, one, and you're just one day all of a sudden, and, and you go, my God, where'd that thing come from? I thought it was gone. Oh, Jesus, help me. You know? Where'd something like that come from? Well, you know, we're getting it cleaned out. Amen? Praise God. Y'all are looking so funny. <laughs> we don't do that. Just morning, night, noon, and night's all. Okay. Uh, so the enemy can't sow in your heart, you can. But boy, the devil, he's going to sow so bad seed in your mind. He's going to try. And he's going to speak. You will never get past the point where he's sowing negative thoughts to your mind. You'll never get where you always have to keep a guard around your mind. You will always have to keep a guard there. You will always have to keep a guard up. The minute you let your guard down, that's when he's going to bring something. A thought. Did you ever find yourself stewing on a thought? And, and all of a sudden, maybe you thought about it for two or three days, and all of a sudden you realize, that's fear. That is fear. I'm not going to do this. Or I'm worrying. You know, go three days and then figure out you're worrying. You know, something just kind of rolling in your mind. Maybe you hadn't said anything yet. Nothing's been spoken. But something just kind of rolling in there, and then all of a sudden you recognize it. You recognize it. You know, the other day we ate at a restaurant, and, uh, and, and when I first tasted the salad dressing, it just tasted a little funny. It was just for a minute there. It just tasted awful. So I asked Michael. He had the same salad dressing. I said, does this taste funny to you? No, it tastes fine. He's just eating, eating. And so I thought, okay, okay. And so I was eating the salad dressing. The whole meal, though, this little thought's going through my mind. This salad dressing's bad. You're going to be sick. This salad dressing's bad. You're going to be sick. This salad dressing. It's just this little thought that's rolling through my mind. Actually, I'm not even enjoying my meal very much. I'm eating it, but I'm not because there was somebody else sitting there, you know, and I just didn't want to say, I don't want to eat this. And, uh, and so I'm eating this salad, and I'm just... All the whole time, I'm in my mind, this little thought's going. And right towards the end of the meal, it hit me. I saw it. You liar, you. I don't care. If this salad dressing's been rotten five days, I ain't getting sick. My food and my water is blessed. God takes sickness out of the midst of me. And I just knocked that fear in the dirt. That's all it was. And it just nagged on me the whole meal, and I just, I just didn't get a hold of it. You know, it's just, you know, you're, sometimes you're kind of having a conversation with somebody, but something else is going on back here too, and that's how it was. And then all of a sudden, it hit me. Family, I don't care if it has worms in it. Now, I wouldn't advise you to eat it if you see the worm, but after you've eaten it, if you see the worm, after you've eaten it, it cannot make you sick. Because you've blessed it. You've sanctified it. God's taken the sickness and the disease out of it. I don't care if they spit in it at the back of the restaurant. And they may, or they picked it up off the floor. And they do that. Not in mine, but in some people's. But see, Satan will try to plant something in your little field there. And if he can get you to agree with him, if he can get you to agree with him, and you know, if you'll start talking it, and, and we have a lot of things that we talk like that. I, I think in one, in one thing that we really talk negative in is concerning our children. You'd think, well, you know, that's, that's who I love most. I wouldn't talk, but we speak all sorts of negative things about our children. Y'all don't play in the streets, you might get run over. I don't care. 
If my grandkids, I don't have kids to play in the street anymore. Well, yeah, I do, kind of. <laughs> Sometimes they do stuff like that, like get out with a football and play in the street. But if, you, if my grandkids play, build a fort in the middle of the street, if they build a fort in the middle of the four lane, no evil shall befall them, neither shall any plague come near their dwelling. They're covered with the blood of Jesus. I'm going to keep them covered. And they're not going to get run over. Now, you could say don't play in the street. Don't play in the street. But we put things out there that are negative. We tell people, be careful. And we plant fear. Be careful. I tell my children, be wise. Use wisdom. Use your head today. Use your head today. Use wisdom. There's a difference. Did you know there's a difference in being careful and using wisdom? There's a difference between drive safely. Now I'm telling you, drive safely. There's a difference in that than be careful. Be careful now. Be careful. You know, there's just a whole different spirit about it is what it is. There's a different spirit behind it. One's got the spirit of faith behind it, and the other one's got the spirit of fear behind it. And we got to recognize that and deal with that. So you can build a fence around your mind, and you can refuse to sow bad seed into your heart. In verse 28 and 29 of that chapter 13, going back a little bit, he replied to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and weed them out? Oh, I'm reading an Amplified accidentally. I got this two-version Bible. And so I got off on the other side. He said, The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up, these tares? Do you want us to get the tares? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. There's a principle right here. The principle is this, family. God will not uproot the yucky things in your life. He's not going to uproot the yucky things you've planted. He's going to let them grow until the harvest day, until the day he'll just let them grow with the good stuff you've planted. He's just going to let them grow there. He's not going to uproot the tares. Only you can uproot the tares of your life that have been planted in your field. Only you can uproot them. He said, no, you don't, don't try to get out the tares. You're, he's telling them the servants wanted to get the tares out for them. No, somebody else can't do it for you. He said, no, don't try to do it for them. Because if you try to do it for them, you may get some good wheat too. You have to uproot the tares in your life. Amen? That's how it works. So here's three ways to get the tares out. All of us have some tares. We've all sowed some things with our mouth into our lives. We've all got tares. And we need to get them out. So three ways here to get the tares out. Number one is root them out with the Word of God. Well, it's all going to come back to the Word, isn't it? Jeremiah 1, we've already looked at this scripture, but I want to look at it again. Jeremiah chapter 1, we root the tares out of our lives with the Word of God. We root the tares of fear out of our life. See, a lot of us have a lot of fear planted in us. You know, just a lot of fear got planted down in there. The fear, fear will present itself, but we choose whether we take it. And the two times that fear presented itself to me, and I took it. I can tell you I took it. And then I spent years trying to get rid of it, didn't know how to get rid of it, could have got rid of it faster if I'd have known how to get rid of it. It doesn't have to take forever to root up your tears. But if you don't know how, you won't do it, and you'll deal with this thing. But I know the first time I let fear get a hold in my life, uh, we were living in a mobile home in West Texas. It was the sun Saturday night before Mother's Day. I just remember it as plain as day. I can see it now. And a big old cloud, oh, dark. And in West Texas, when a big old thunderhead rolls up, it'll get a lot of sand in it because there's a lot of loose sand. And that thing, it'll be, the whole sky will just turn like red sand is boiling toward you. And so it was coming out of the northwest, this big old cloud and thunderstorm. And, and we didn't even have any kids at this time. And uh, Michael, Pastor Michael, he drove up to our mobile home. He raced up, you know. He was always had his pedal to the metal. <laughs> he did when he was a farmer. He did. And he raced up in his pickup and pulled in the driveway, ran in the house, and I said, let's get out of here. And he said, I have got chemical all over me. He had been spraying cotton with something. I don't know what. And um, 
He said, I've got chemical all over me. I've got to have a shower. Well, I tell you, when that thing hit, he was standing in the shower. And you know, mobile home, it just about, it was bad. It was just bad. It was so bad. And the rain, because when it rains, it don't rain forever in West Texas, but when it rains, it's like it just dumps it all at once, you know. And so the neighbors next door, they were standing in the door. And we so, I so didn't want to be in that trailer that in the pouring rain, we ran from the trailer when he got out over to their house. And they lived in a little big house, and we ran over there and tracked mud all over their house. And I'm sure they loved that. <clears throat> and so, but right then, I let a spirit of fear come in. And from that time forward, I was petrified of thunderstorms. I'm telling you, a cloud as small as the man's hand could come over. And I was packing, and we, were, we, went, we would go down to the Baptist church and get under the awning. And, you know, it was a metal awning. I, why I felt, maybe I felt like God wouldn't let the church blow away. I don't know. It was, it was not, I wasn't filled with the Spirit then. I don't, I didn't have any sense, I guess. And so I would make him go there. And then Colin was born in the mid, meantime. And I, here I was, and, you know, here a cloud as small as the man's hand would come up. I mean, it wouldn't even, it could thunder once. And, and one little clap, of, one little spark of lightning drip three drops. And I would start packing bottles. I would start mixing formula. I'd fix 12 bottles. I'd pack a huge diaper bag and we'd gather this. I mean, it's going to be 2 o'clock in the morning. Because I'd let that spirit of fear get in. Well, I got it out. I got it out. It took me a little. I got, had to get filled with the spirit to see it. When I got filled with the spirit, I saw it. I need rid of this thing. You know, and so I got rid of it. But you've got to root it out. You let it in. You let it in. Even if you accidentally let it in, you let it in. You took it. Satan came by a bad, and he tried to plant bad seed in your field. And you took it. You bought it. You believed the lie. You can, maybe you didn't even believe it, but you considered it. You don't know how many people that we have ministered to and counseled with that have told us or maybe a member of their family told us that they always feared cancer all their life. They're dying of cancer right now and they feared cancer all their life. They feared they'd get cancer. See, Satan planted the thought. He planted the seed in the field, the bad seed. Don't take his seed. Don't take his seed. When that thought comes, say, no, I won't take you. I will not take you. I don't have to take you. Jesus bore sickness and disease on my behalf. I don't take you. God has not given me a spirit of fear. I won't take this thing. I refuse this thought. I cast it down. I won't take it. You know, I tell you what, family, you'll be surprised. The Bible says if you resist the devil, he'll flee. And I can tell you, it'll surprise you the first time you do that, how fast that old spirit of fear will leave. It'll surprise you when you do that how fast pain in your body will leave. Sometimes a little pain or something, a little quirk, maybe the elbow. And you know, you say, oh, dear God, you know, mom had arthritis. And you know, that's just, that's seed. Satan trying to plant the seed in your field and trying to get you to take it. I don't care if mom had arthritis. I don't care if she had it all over her body. I don't care if she had it in her nose. I'm not taking it. I don't have that inheritance. I've broke that generational curse. It's not passing to me. My inheritance is in Jesus. And if you will take that, that, that minute that little pain hits you, instead of nursing it for three days, and, and, and you know, saying, man, you know, I don't know what's been wrong with my elbow, you know, mm, you know. And, and you know, we just nurse it around. We take aspirin and we nurse it. I, you will be surprised if the first time you feel a little quirk, you say, no, get off of me. In Jesus' name, I don't take you. You'll be surprised how quick all those little things will leave. You'll be surprised. Now, sometimes if you've let it, if you've let it get a stronghold in your life, listen, if you've nursed arthritis for 10 years, one little rebuke's not going to get rid of it. It's going to take the anointing to destroy the yoke in that case. Because you've let it get a yoke around your neck. You've let it become a bondage. And so it's going to take the anointing to destroy it. Well, the anointing's well able. The anointing's well able. But I'm talking about just resisting that first time. I'm talking about never letting those things get a foothold. You know, people have migraines. They let those things get a foothold in their life. They let it. I mean, sometimes in our ignorance, before we knew any better, right? Just like me in that fear, before I knew better. I didn't know you didn't have to have it. I didn't know anybody feared. I had never had a fear in my life that I know of. Daddy took care of me. I was not fearful of anything. But then all of a sudden, 
Satan trying to plant something. Okay, so rooted out in Jeremiah 1, verse 9 and 10. Hope y'all are getting this. It says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out. You got to root out tares with the word of God. And you just can't give up. You just got to root out every day, every day, every day. Keep rooting, 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 rooting. And one of these days you'll think, you know what? That old spirit of fear, it don't come around me like it used to. You just kept rooting with the Word of God. You just kept going to Psalm 91. You just kept going to 2 Timothy 1, 7. God has not given me a spirit of fear. You just kept going. You just kept rooting it out, rooting it out, rooting it out, rooting it out. Just keep rooting it out, rooting it out, little by little, little by little, here a little, there a little. That's how it works. That's how it is. Praise God. See, there's a principle. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt and were going into the promised land, God told them that they would have to increase to inherit, that He wasn't going to turn the whole land over to them all at once because they wouldn't be strong enough to hold on to it. And that's why sometimes you come in this church and you've got a spirit of fear. I mean, you need deliverance from fear. And you know, you could come up to the front of the church and we could cast the spirit of fear out of you and it would have to obey us. But if you have not built yourself in the Word of God, that thing is coming back and trying to get back in. And we really do you an injustice by casting it out of you because the Bible says it will bring seven worse back. What I need to let you do is increase in the Word of God and let you root it out little by little. Let you root it out, root it out, root it out, root it out. Because every time you root it out, you're getting stronger, you're increasing, and then it can't come back on you. You have to increase to inherit. And so that's why deliverance services, for the most part, that's not God. You know, sometimes they have these big deliverance services and everybody gets delivered of all their demons all at once. Well, in the first place, a lot of things they're calling demons are just flesh and you can't cast it out. But in the second place, you need to increase to inherit. That's right. Root it out, root it out, root it out. And the second way that you get tares out is to starve them out by cutting off their lifeline. In other words, you quit giving the bad tares fuel. You quit speaking bad things because when you speak bad things, you're giving them fertilizer. You're giving them fuel. You're helping them grow. And so you starve them out. You not only start speaking the word, but you start starving out the bad things. You quit run, walking the floor and wringing your hands. You make yourself not yield to the spirit of fear or whatever it is, you know. You, 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 you start rooting out and you start, you don't feed, you don't feed. You know, they tell you to feed a fever, don't they? Is it feed a fever or starve a cold and feed a fever or feed a fever and start a cold? I don't, starve a cold, I don't know. Maybe y'all don't know that, but that's an old saying, you know. Well, I'd say don't feed either one. I know what they're talking about is eat food if you, you know. And I never can remember which one it was supposed to be, so we just feed everything food. <laughs> Everything at our house likes to eat, even the dog. <laughs> but anyway, that's beside, scratch all that. <laughs> but in the spiritual sense, starve it all. Don't feed fevers. You know, uh, Pastor Tony, he was talking about the other night about kids liking to be out of school because mama makes chicken noodle soup and all that kind of stuff. My mama made potato soup, and that was the only time she ever made homemade potato soup. And I was about 30 when I figured out you could have to make a potato soup without being sick. And I really liked potato soup. And she always made tapioca pudding. And that's the only time you ever got tapioca pudding is if you were sick. And my daddy always went down to the drugstore. We had a drugstore in Seagraves, Texas. And, he, and that's when funny books were 12 cents a piece. And he would buy me five or six new funny books if I got sick. 12 cents, you know, Dennis the Menace, Beetle Bailey, Popeye, Little Lulu, and what's her name? You know, well, I don't know. And he would buy me about, well, see, we were feeding that stuff. It was about half fun to get sick at our house. You just got a lot of attention. No, Michael's family, he, they were totally the opposite. But we can't feed those things. We can't feed those things. Sometimes that's why we have to say, bless God, I'm going to church. Bless God, I'm going to work. 
You know, Smith Wigglesworth says, I don't ask myself how I feel, I tell myself how I feel. We gotta tell ourselves. And like Brother Hagin says it this way, I feel good, I feel fine, body get in line. See, because the real me on the inside feels good and feels fine. See, and we gotta starve out those negative tears. Starve them out. Cut off their lifeline. Proverbs 26, 20. This was supposed to be a real short sermon. It just didn't work out that way, though, is it? Proverbs 26, 20. And this is just a principle. Where, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. Where, and so where there is no talebearer, the strife ce ceaseth. When you quit feeding it, it's just naturally going to decrease and get littler. When you quit putting wood on the fire, the fire goes out. And when you quit feeding the, the tares in your life, the weeds in your heart, when you quit feeding them, they're just naturally, some of them, going to die. And if you quit feeding them and, and start rooting at the same time, you'll get that field of your heart cleaned up. You'll get that field of your heart cleaned up. You know, the next time you just feel like doing nothing laying on the couch because you don't feel good, just tell yourself, yeah, I do feel good. I feel good. I feel fine. Body get in line. And just go out and hoe in the garden or something. Just starve that thing. Don't give any place to sickness. Don't give any place to disease. Don't give place to it. Amen? Praise God. And then the third way is to choke them out. Mark 4.19 talks about, uh, it's, it, it's actually approaching it from the other side of how, how negative things will choke the word out. Well, family, if negative things will choke the word out, then positive things will choke the negative out. Yeah. It'll work just the same. Look, let's look there in Mark 4.19. He says, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word. Well, if, the, if, if there's things that will choke the Word, then the Word will choke some things too. If I'll take the Word, it'll choke some things. Amen? It'll choke it out. So that's three ways to get the tares uh, rooted out of our life. So our words, they're very powerful, aren't they? Let's turn and look at some scriptures real quick, just about how powerful our words are. We're just going to go through some real quick scriptures. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. And uh, I just put these in order according to how we turn in the words so we could go a lot faster and so it, there might have been a better order as far as how it would flow but it will be quicker for us if we do it this way Proverbs 6 2 says thou art snared with the words of thy mouth thou art taken with the words of thy mouth see our words are real powerful and the word the Bible is full of scriptures that tell us how powerful our words are Proverbs 12 13 the wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. Well, how's the just going to come out of trouble? The same way, with his lips. That's how you come out of trouble. Family, if you're in trouble tonight, financial trouble, marital trouble, if your body's in trouble, if you're in trouble, you're going to come out with the words of your mouth. You come out of trouble with your words. You also go into trouble with your words. That's how you go into trouble. In... in in 13.3. See, there's not anybody that ever got divorced that didn't speak or talk about divorce. We have a rule at our house. We might get mad at each other, and we have. We've gotten pretty hot before, but we just don't say divorce. We don't talk about divorce. That's not a consideration. It's not an option. Amen? Proverbs 13.3, and I'm going to read that to you in the Amplified. He who guards his mouth keeps his life. But he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Did anybody ever tell you, you've got a big mouth? See, it's dangerous to have a big mouth. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. We, sometimes we have to just... I mean, when you're getting started at this thing, sometimes it's like that. You just have to... It takes every ounce of whatever not to say what you want to say. When you're first, if you're fighting sickness and disease, and you know, I'm talking about serious stuff, even unserious stuff, I mean, there's just something about us that wants sympathy. There's just something about me, maybe it's just me, that I just want to tell him that I don't feel good. And I really want him to baby me a little bit. And you know what? He's got the personality style that he will. 
He'll baby me. I can get babied real easy. But we just got to, just not going to say this. Not going to say this. Not going to say this. I'll tell you something else. You, You may not agree, and you don't have to do this. But long time ago, even when our kids were little, we don't take temperatures. We just, what difference does it make? We just don't take their temperature. Now, when they go to the doctor, we take them. Sometimes, sometimes we, you know, we just don't be, we're not led by the temperature of whether we go to the doctor. We're led by the spirit. And we do take our kids to the doctor. We did take them. And we do take them. And sometimes I threaten them. I threatened Eric the other day. You better get your faith out there or I'm taking you. You better get rid of it. You better get rid of it, son. You know, when you, I'm not, you can't do a five-year-old that way. We're talking about a 16-year-old, okay? Because it's up to their faith, too, and when they're 16. You know what I mean? It's our faith and their faith. And sometimes they want to be lazy. You know, when you're sick, the least thing you want to do is get up and confess the word. Now, I, I help my kids sometimes. I, other, I told Eric the other day, I said, okay, get the Bible out. Okay, here we go, okay. And I, we, I went through the word with him and we're confessing healing scriptures because I could tell he wasn't motivated to do it by himself. He didn't feel like it, but, you know, so mama got in there with him and we get that, you know. But sometimes, really, honestly, mama and daddy, we don't, we're, we're watching Matlock or something and we don't want to do, you know. You got to take time out of your busy day it's to do these things. Amen. But we just, we just don't take our temperature. We've got a thermometer, but we just don't take our temperature. You can do what you want to, though. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But let me tell you something. The word works the same if it's 98.8 or if it's 106.4. You do the same thing. The answer's the same. The word of God is the answer. Amen? Amen? That's right. Okay, we're at uh, 15.2. I'm going to read this out of the King James. I thought it was better in the King James. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. You know, sometimes our mouths just pour out things that are foolish. So foolish. Talking about lack and poverty is real foolish. Talking about sickness and disease is foolish. It is. It's foolish. And sometimes we pour out the wrong thing. But if we're wise, we won't. If we're wise, we won't. 15.4. Let's look at that. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Look, in, in, in the Amplified, I'll read it to you. A gentle tongue with its healing power is a tree of life, but willful contrariness in it breaks down the spirit. Willful contrariness. Just willfully. not Willfully. Sometimes we just willfully speak the wrong thing. We just do it on purpose. We know we shouldn't. We're not, in other words, we're not doing it ignorantly. Sometimes we used to speak ignorantly, but now we know better. Sometimes the Holy Ghost is even inside of us saying, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. You know, you can feel him trying to get you not to say it. You know, especially you and your husband, you're having a fight, and the Holy Ghost is saying, don't say another word, don't say another word, don't say anything else. I always want to say one more thing to y'all. <laughs> I have been accused before of wanting to have the last word. It couldn't be right, though. <laughs> it's not always wise, is it? Sometimes that, it's like sometimes you're just rocking along and you're having a little minor disagreement, but then all of a sudden you say that one more thing that the Holy Ghost was trying to get you not to say, and all of a sudden you've got a war. And you thought that one more thing wasn't going to hurt, you know? And all of a sudden it's a war. If we just follow the Holy Spirit within, within ourselves. Amen. Oh. Praise God. 16.24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the mind and healing to the body. Healing to the body. See, it has everything to do with what you're saying. 18.7 A fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. 
18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I'm going to read that to you and amplify. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. If you indulge your tongue, you're going to eat the fruit of it. And that's what I was talking about a while ago. Like, you know, here you are, you're having a minor disagreement, and all of a sudden you kind of indulge yourself. It's like, it's like saying, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to indulge myself tonight. I'm going to have a candy bar. And then you, but sometimes when we're in a little bit of a tiff with our husband, we, we think, I'm going to indulge myself. I'm going to say that this has been on my mind for a while. I've been thinking about this for a while. Actually, for the last 25 years, this has bugged me. <laughs> and so I'm going to indulge myself. Well, you'll eat the fruit of it. Trust me, I know. I know from the word. I believe the word and I know, but trust me, experientially, I know. You'll eat the fruit of it. You'll eat the fruit of it. You'll eat the fruit of it. I, wives, this may come as a big revelation to you, but you will never change your husband that way. God changes. We'll have to change him. You know, and the one reason you won't change him and this is, it's, it's, it's true for both men and women, it's just true for people, is the reason it won't is because, you know what? He sees his faults as good as you do, probably better, and the fact of the matter is we're powerless to change ourselves. I'd like to get rid of my faults as much as he'd like to get rid of them. I hate them worse than he hates them, but I'm powerless to change myself. And so for him to talk about my faults or for me to talk about his faults, it's just not profitable. It doesn't change anything. Because unless God changes me, I'm not going to change. So all I can do is give God permission to work in my life and for Him to change me. And He is little by little. He is. He is. Praise God. Well, that'll help you right there. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs 21, 23. And it's the same with your children. Now, when they're young, you can train them. But you get a big old kid up there. Maybe you've got one, he's, they're away from home now, but you don't like everything they're doing in their life, and so every time they come around, you give them a piece of your mind. You won't change them. They're that way because you raised them that way. They're probably that way because they saw you do it. And God will have to change them. And maybe you changed. Maybe they saw you do it all their life. And then, and then you changed. And you want them to change. And you want them to be spiritual. And you want them to do this and do that. You won't change them. God will have to do it. Amen. So you might as well just love them like they are. And act like you like them. Do it by faith. You do it by faith. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Hallelujah. Psalm 39, 1. We'll change books. Oh, we've got to go back. I'm going the wrong way. Psalm 39.1. Am I helping you? He said, I, will, I said I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. If it's necessary, I'll put a bridle in it. I'll keep my mouth. Psalm 50, 23. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. The people that order their conversation aright, they're the ones that see the salvation of God. And salvation doesn't mean going to heaven just. It means salvation means deliverance. It means healing. It means health. It means re redemption from ever. It means uh, it means total freedom and liberty in every realm. And the ones that see it are the ones that order their conversation aright. Amen. Well, we could look at a bunch more scriptures, but we'll stop with that. Now I have a handout tonight, and if the ushers would give me one, I happen not to have one. <laughs> but if the ushers would give me one, and here's a handout for you. Uh, the Lord just put this on my heart to do this tonight. So we're going to read this together. I didn't give it to you before because I wanted you to listen and not read it while I was preaching. See, we got y'all figured out. 
And this is something you can take home and meditate. This is something you can use to root up some tares. Amen? And to change your thinking. So let's start on page one under financial security, and let's, let's read this aloud together. No matter how many bills I have, my God shall supply all my need. Regardless of the condition of the economy, my God shall supply all my need. Regardless of the size of my bank account, my God shall supply all my need. When financial embarrassment stares me in the face, my God shall supply all my need. Regardless of what my employer pays me, my God shall supply all my need. In spite of past financial failures, my God shall supply all my need. Need. When things appear all wrong, my God shall supply all my need. When things appear all right, my God shall supply all my need. Wherever I am, my God shall supply all my need. You know what? As I was reading this one day, it just hit me because a lot of people have been calling us asking us about the year 2000. And I had one last week say, oh, have you seen? Well, I'm going to send you a book that tells, you know, and it, that this mutual fund company sent me and said, it's pretty scary, all the stuff that's going to happen. And I said, well, you know, I'm just going to believe it's going to turn out for my good. I'm just going to believe that if they lose all the money in their bank account, that this is the end-time wealth transfer system, it's going to end up in my bank account. And, you know, I was just telling them things like that. And, you know, in a minute they said, well, I just believe I'll believe with you. You know? And I thought, well, okay, well, just believe with me. But I was reading this, and you know, I thought, I was reading this, no matter what, I'll, my God will supply all my needs. And I thought, you know what? This is the answer to Y2K. This is the answer. So when somebody asks you about Y2K, I'm thinking about printing some of these up and just having them. And when they say, well, what are you going to do with your money? When this happens, my God shall supply all my need. How's he going to do it? I don't know. Does it matter? It don't. We don't care if birds feed us. We don't care how it happens. Amen. We don't care if we have to hit the rock to get water. We know, hey, we've seen, we, we've seen it done before. We saw it with the eyes of our heart. We saw Moses do it. He hit the rock, he got water. Amen. That's it. And you just determine you'll be the supply for everybody around you. That you'll be passing out drinks. Amen. Okay, let's look at the next page. Healing. No matter what symptoms are present, by his stripes I am healed. Regardless of what others may say about my health, by his stripes I am healed. In spite of past experiences, by his stripes I am healed. When pain strikes my body, by his stripes I am healed. Wherever I am, by his stripes I am healed. Regardless of how I feel, by his stripes I am healed. When symptoms reappear, by his stripes I am healed. And then this next page, two pages actually, this little my never again list, has anybody ever seen that before but me? That went around, oh this has been around a long time. And this went around, oh probably in the late 70s and early 80s and we got a copy of this, had it, had it for years. But you know, I was thinking today how, um, when we got it the first time, we didn't have the spirit of faith, and it didn't mean what it means now. It means more when you have the spirit of faith. Now, when we saw it the first time, we got excited. Oh, yeah, praise God, that's good, you know. But now, with the spirit of faith on it, this thing means more. So let's read this this way. I will say the first part. Never again confess defeat for, and then you answer with the scripture, okay? Can y'all do that? Y'all can do it, okay. Never again confess defeat for... Never again confess bondage for Never again confess sickness for With his stripes we are healed Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses Never again confess fear for God has not given us the spirit of fear But of power and of love and of sound mind Never again confess I can't for I do all things Never again confess doubt and lack of faith for God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. Never again confess weakness for the Lord is the strength of my life. 
Never again confess Satan's supremacy over your life for Never again confess a lack of wisdom for Never again confess feelings of guilt for There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Never again confess worry for Casting all your care upon him for the care for you. Never again confess discontent for For I have learned in whatsoever state I am Never again confess loneliness, for Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Never again confess a fear of the future, for I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Never again confess an inability to conquer sin in your life, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Never again confess frustration, for thou wilt keep them in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Never again confess confusion, for now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Never again confess failure, for Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Never again confess I don't know, for But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Never again confess I'm tired, for Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, you keep that and you meditate on that and uh, hang it on your refrigerator and endeavor to live by that. And if you would do that, if you never again confess the things we just said there, how many of you know it would change your life completely? It would just completely change your life. Well, that's what I'm after, isn't it, you? And you know, a lot of those things I had eliminated, but there were some things in there that even as I typed that up, I thought, hmm, I, I, I need a little brush up on that area. See, we all need a little brush up sometimes. And so we, we, we can do that. We can do that. And it'll change our lives. It'll be powerful in our lives. It'll be, it'll be a blessing in our lives. Well, I want to tell you this by the Holy Ghost. I just want to, I, I, I got this in the praise and worship, but I, and I thought I'd preach it, but it didn't come out. But here it's going to come at the end. But um, see, Satan is more of a strategist than you and I have realized and known. And he's had a real strategy in the years past. And that is that he let you get by, and he let the church, not just us, but the church, he let the church get by with saying a lot of bad things and confessing a lot of bad things, with sinning with our mouth. And it didn't seemingly pay off. See, we've, we've misunderstood sometimes even the scripture. And we've said, oh, I can't confess anything. See, it's not God that that hears your bad confession and makes you pay for it. God doesn't make you pay for your bad confession. It's Satan that makes you pay for your bad confession. It's Satan that brings the harvest on your bad words. It's Satan that brings the harvest. And the Holy Ghost wants us to know, you know, he's been, the Holy Ghost has been really coming down on this so or so's the word thing and what we say with our mouth. I mean, we've been, he's really been pressing us on that, hasn't he? Well, the time is short. Satan knows the time of the seasons. He knows how much time he has left. And he's really, he's really laid a strategic trap for the church. He's let us get by us with saying things, and we seemingly have not had tremendous harvest on some of the negative things we've spoken. Some of them we have. Some of, we hear testimonies every day of how people uh, said things and did things and ended up getting the harvest on that, but those negative things. So we do see it. But, for, uh, but uh, there's uh, been a lot of us that have said things and it's seemingly like we hadn't gotten, uh, it hasn't, uh, 
It hasn't been as destructive as it could have been. Well, Satan's a strategist. And God's really wanting us to clean up our mouth as far as negative confession. Because Satan, he, he, he kind of baited the trap. Oh, you can confess bad. You can say these things. It won't cost in your life. And then he intends to make the church pay big. And God's saying, if you, you need to clean it up now. Clean it up and clean it up now and get the word sowed in your life and get it in there sowed now. Because it's going to be real, it's going to be more dangerous in the days to come to speak negative things than it even has been in the past. It's always been dangerous, but it's going to be even more dangerous. And so we gotta we gotta root it out now, we gotta clean it up now, we gotta we gotta get the spirit of faith in us now, we gotta speak the right thing now. It's time now. We gotta do it now. God's pressing this thing. He's saying, do it and do it now. Do it and do it now. And if we are smart children of God, we will heed his warning and we will do what he says. We will obey. And we'll we'll do it now. We won't wait. We won't procrastinate. We'll we'll hear the spirit of God, and we'll say, God's warning the church. God's trying to help the church. God's wanting to make us victorious in every realm of our life. And I'm going to heed His warnings. I'm not going I'm not going to sit there and be dull of hearing. I'm going to heed His warnings. I'm going to do what I hear preach. I'm going to be a hear hear and a doer of the word, and I'm going to be blessed in my deeds. Amen? Amen. But family, if we don't heed His warnings, it'll cost us. It'll cost. Amen. Let's stand up together.